Please listen carefully. Hello. Howdy there. I'm Elijah. I'm Chessie. And this is Books with Brooks, a podcast about books we love, why they're important, and why you should read them. We are in chapter one of John Stott's The Living Church. Jesse, what's the title for this bad boy? Essentials, God's Vision for the Church. Yeah, and so last time we were talking about Stott kind of laying the foundation for what this book's going to be about and the question he's going to try to answer. And with this chapter, if he was laying the groundwork before, he is now starting to build the foundation of his house. Wow, that's really good. Great metaphor off Look the top of you. my head. Look I know. at you. I should. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> Anyways, um, so <laughs> what the heck? Um, so yeah. The introduction. He's laying the groundwork. Chapter one. What is it essentially saying? Um, this is the core DNA of what the church is. Great. This is what we need to know about who God's and what God's church is before we go forward. Like he says, essentials. Mm. So, Jesse, just some brief thoughts on this chapter. Yeah. Before we get going. What you thought? Just, what did you think about it? I had a lot of thoughts. I really enjoyed it. It's not surprising, is it? It's, it's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I think essentials is a great title for this chapter. Because he goes into what's required of us and and gives you, like, the scripture foundation for that. But also brings it forward of, like, okay, so what does that mean for us right now? Sure. You know, and um, I got a lot of good questions from it. You are the questions asker. Yeah. So, again, not surprising. Asking good questions is very important. It is. It is. So, I... In that in that sense, you know, this he looks at the social and cultural um, norms. He looks at the social and cultural challenges mm. on a very broad spectrum. Sure. But in the context of what's essential for us and mm. that foundational element, so um, I really loved it. Mm. How about yourself, sir? It's great. It's hard to say that anything John Stott writes isn't good, but uh, something that, again, we touched on this before, that's going to be a common theme mm-hmm. throughout this book. It's Maybe it's a unifying thread, uh, is that God defines his church, mm. and that's basically what this chapter is about. If you want a main idea, it's that God defines his church. Um, he has decided and he has told us what it is and what it isn't, Yeah. Uh, right? Um, so what we think about church has to be shaped by God's word and what God has said. So God decides what his church is, we don't. And the assumptions and the ideas we bring have to be defined by what God says. So you're saying my thoughts and opinions don't play into... How the essential uh, parts of the church work. I'm not saying that they don't count. I'm saying they need to be measured and shaped by Scripture. We need to actually be studying Scripture to figure out Ooh, what we Jesse, do. Jesse, don't start stepping on our content here. We're <laughs> only four minutes in. Jeez. 
the horses are racing to the finish line. Um, but I also noticed that this is John Stott's chapter of lists. That could be the sub-subtitle, Essentials, God's Vision for the Church, mm-hmm. colon, Lists by John Stott. Wow. It's his chapter of lists. Everything's it a is. list. And I love that. Your organizational, so you love it. It really helped me put it all to perspective. It does help organizationally, does it? That's it. So before we get into his um, list on what the church is defined by scripture, there's a preliminary list, and there's three assumptions John Stott makes about uh, people who are reading this book are people who care about this topic. And he does this right at the beginning of chapter one. Mm-hmm. And um, Jesse, you want to run through those really quick? Oh, let me put my coffee down. Um, the list, sorry. Can you repeat your question? Uh, his assumptions made. His first list. His first list. Um... So he says that he is assuming that we are all committed to the church. So there's one. We are not only Christian people, we are also church people. Mm. We are not only committed to Christ, we are also committed to the body of Christ. Mm. There's his list. So being a Christian and being a part of the church. And being committed to each other. Exactly. Bingo. That is huge. It is huge. And that's the assumption. That's the first assumption he makes, so it's a big deal. What's the second assumption? Okay, I just have to say one thing. (laughs) So are you saying I actually have to get to know people at church? Bingo. And be involved in their life? Yeah. Wow. And in church. That's amazing. (laughs) Okay, second list. Where is it at? Is it on this first page? Nope. That's why. Books have more than one page. (laughs) Second. Here we are. Uh, We are all committed to the mission of the church. Mm. We believe that the church is a double, has a double identity. On the one hand, we are called out of the world to belong to God. And on the other hand, we are sent back into the world to witness and serve. Mm. And he quotes, you know, John twenty twenty one, which, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So who's speaking there? As the Father sent me, so I've sent you. Jesus is. Yeah, so committed to the church mission, church's mission, uh, that mission's modeled on Christ's mission. And just as Christ, you know, being God, entered into our world and our realities and uh, our lives, um, we're supposed to do the same without compromising. Yeah. Well, and to backtrack just a little bit, um, the reason why we're com- that, so the reason why we're committed to the church is that God is committed to us. Mm. There's a parallel there that mm. we can't miss, right? Mm-hmm. Because then it goes into the mission of the church is modeled on the mission of Christ. Mm-hmm. So those go hand in hand together. Mm. Yeah. And then what's the third assumption? The third assumption is we are all committed to the to the reform and renewal of the church. And many, well, then he goes into many parts of the world and says that he's mainly talking about the West right now. Sure, his context. Yeah. So reform and renewal, we're talking about um, we care and we seek the church's the development uh, and increasing depth. 
we're not willing to let this thing go stagnant and to be dry and to be um, without growth in any sort of way. Right, right. So I have that written in the margins, <clears throat> our common commitments and mm. the church, what yeah. we have in common. Mm -hmm. and it's to the church, to the church's mission, or to the mission. If the living church is going to exist, the people in it, the people yeah. in the body or in the, the local institution, these assumptions and these commitments have to be part of everybody's lives. Yeah, and, you know, it's renewal. That strikes me, right? Mm. And is that that's where the emerging church ties in. Mm. Are you going to go down that route or mm. can I start? Because <laughs> the renewal is huge. How do you renew the church? Yeah. Right? Right. That's like, what the heck? Right. But it's important. It is. So why is it important? We're going to get to that in a second. We are, but because we need to be growing. Like he says, we can't be, we can't be stagnant. We need to be like uh, a river that's full of life, but it's moving and not a puddle. Yeah, so renewal doesn't yeah. mean totally like tearing out the woodwork and starting over. Right, because as we're going to explore, there are things the church has to be, and it can't compromise on the essentials. Ooh, look at that chapter title. Mm. The essentials that make it God's church. And luckily, uh, people throughout all of church history have answered that, and Stott's going to... Um, address this issue so we don't have to. We can interact with it and adapt it to our context. So those are Stott's three assumptions. So that's list number one, um, which then leads us to his second list, which he says, these are the three assumptions we're going to make about people in the church. So now here are the four characteristics of a living church. And he draws these all from Scripture. So he draws these from Acts 2, 42 through 47, which I'm going to yes. read, but Jesse looks like you, you want to say something. I do. I'm so excited on God's timing because when we were in Edinburgh right before we uh, came back to the States and all of our visa stuff, our city groups were studying Acts. Yeah. And this has been like a theme for us this year. And then you open up this book and that's where he starts. Yes. And just like his faithfulness and that, I just... It blows me away, guys. <laughs> um, okay, but this is my favorite list. Okay. It's good. So here's Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So, Stott draws four essential characteristics of the church from that verse. He does. What are they? They are the learning church. Okay. The the caring church. Mm -hmm. The worshiping church, and an evangelizing church. So from that passage, he says that the church must be a learning church, a caring church, a worshiping church, and an evangelizing church. 
Again, scripture's at the core. Yeah, bingo. He takes that from scripture, which again is as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, that's our authority <laughs> in all things, isn't it? Is scripture. It is. Yeah. So is there, before we dive into all four of those, yeah. each of those, which one jumps out at you right away? I know the answer to <laughs> Is that even a question? The Caring Church. Bingo, that wasn't hard. It's <laughs> so, like, that is so important. And I think, I mean, I think don't, they all go together. Don't blow all your material. I'm right not away. going to. <laughs> but they go all together, yeah. right? You can't have one without the other. Exactly. And I think personality and the gifts I've been giving the caring part is in a, is very important to me, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes the caring part can get lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. of everything else, along with like the learning part, um, because it seems to be a natural thing, so we don't necessarily promote it or work extra hard mm-hmm. at it, but we have to. Yeah. And we have to take that part very seriously. Yeah. So, there's my favorite. How about yours? Um, what jumps, not favorite, what jumps out at you? Well, you see, you uh, I like them all. So, the learning church. Oh my church. goodness! <laughs> Make you look bad. That's a trick question. I gotcha. So, the okay, l- but for real. Come on. What jumps out at you? Okay, have to add the qualifying distinction. You made... They all go together. Can't so, have one without the other. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to pick the not obvious one because I think there is an obvious one, if yeah. you know me. Um, the learning church. Yeah, an uh, evangelizing church. Oh, amen. And we'll get there. Um, but first and foremost, the learning church. Um, Stott finds this right in the first verse that we read, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Uh, so th- that devotion... To the apostles' teaching is what he's talking about. and So in being a learning church, Stott's essentially saying a living church seeks knowledge and understanding about their Lord. It is not content with just the Holy Spirit, and it does not enjoy simple, mystical experience. Um, which, pulled that directly from the book. Mm-hmm. Jesse, why do you think it's important, other than the stock answer, it's in the Bible, that the church always be learning? And be growing in knowledge and understanding. Because what does knowledge and understanding actually mean? Right? We, Everything we know about the Lord, other than our relationship with Him, comes from Scripture. And if we don't know that, what are we pulling off of? Mm. Right? What... what are we basing anything off of? It brings us so much truth that then leads to everything else. We need to know who he is to interact with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could go on a big theological discussion about that, but vaguely, you know. um, Well, I mean, maybe not. I mean, you touched on it. It's what God's given us about himself. Mm -hmm. If we want to know God... (laughs) We're going to have to not only read, but study what mm-hmm. he tells us about himself. Well, exactly. And yeah. so, going on a little side branch here, really quickly. It'll be quick. 
um, just coming from a female perspective, you know, um, I'm part of a group of girls who were chatting about this right now, you know, uh, what women look like at the church. And we were just having a discussion last week about how when you look at the great commandment and this, the learning and the knowledge part is in there and how that is, some people read into that's men's work, but I think they read this. That's not what it's saying, you it's know. It's the church's work. It's the church's work. And both men and women are part of the church, are they not? Absolutely. So, I just, side note, because that's what, that's a current discussion I'm having with some friends, yeah. but. Well, I, you make a good point, because I think we, there can be, um, you know, that idea that that is the case. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is particularly prevalent in certain parts of America or not, or whatever. Um, that that's the idea that women not to study their Bibles or, you know, read or no, be submissive much. to be taught. Um, but I think also just in general, and this is not to minimize that because I do think that's definitely true. Um, I'm afraid that in many churches... <laughs> our tendency can be to not tell people to study the Bible. Maybe just read it. Oh, yes. Maybe just pray. But what Stott's talking about is studying. And what Acts is talking about is studying. Um, yep. It's notable that they are devoted to the apostles' teaching. Mm-hmm. Well, because how easy is it to take things out of context? Sure. And that's where we get into trouble. If we're not studying, studying... Then are we actually interacting? Mm. What would you? I don't. Would you agree? Say with that, that again. If we're not studying the Bible, are we actually interacting with it? Yeah, no. I'd say no. Deep. Boom. Because it's important. So does something like anti-intellectualism? Okay. Does that have a place in the church? It's a very big word. Yeah. So. Anti-intellectualism, does it have a place in the church? No. It doesn't. Agreed. Why? Because we need to be learning, Mm. and we need to be studying, and that's exactly what that intellectualism is. It doesn't mean you're this huge scholarly professor. Right. But we... That's not the call, but we're called to know God. Yeah, and keep learning. Mm. Right? Okay, but here's, here's the bridge. Into the caring church. Well, touch on it, because then we'll cross in a sec, but I wanted to bring up one more thing. Okay. Build the bridge. Here's the bridge. We are meant to be learning and that intellectual side of it. Mm. But we lose the importance if we're not tying that with the caring church, sure. because then we're not putting it into practice with yes, others. Yes, it has to be put into practice. And then that's where we get that anti-intellectual fever, because it sounds like everyone's just very smart, and we have those conversations, but we're not putting it into practice. Yeah, sure. It always has to be put into practice. Yeah, but that I think that's where that that bridge is built. Because if you don't have that next one, then it becomes just intellectual. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. 
and not an actual yeah. action. Yeah. But as we'll know, and as many people have said before, everyone is a theologian because theology is, yes! theology is literally words about God, beliefs about God. Yeah. And if we're Christian or non-Christian, whether we testify this or not, we believe something about God. Yeah, you don't have to be and a scholar to be a theologian. Therefore, everyone is. And so a book, um, I think like a <coughs> starter book, if that's a new idea to you or you want to learn more about um, scripture or anything, yes. there's a book by uh, a man called Kelly Capick. Um, oh, not the book I thought you were going to say. Oh, boom, that's right. Um, he's a professor at Covenant College, uh, which is in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. A really great writer and yeah. theologian, but it's a small little book. Um, it's called The Little Book for New Theologians. Um, it's very good. It's a very helpful book. You started me on that. Yeah, and I think we might actually do it on here someday if we last that yeah, long. But it's a good starter for that, um, so pick that up. But talking about the learning church, <laughs> what do we learn from? Because that's also important. Not only are we all called mm. to be devoted to learning more about God, what is... Uh, our curriculum based on what's our guiding textbook so to speak yeah there you go easy answer jesse it's the sunday school answer there so not not all the books that talk about you know all those side books that give me perspective those aren't the ones that i follow no you read them and you interact with other people studying them but what is our foundation or what is our authority for learning uh, it's scripture, right? Yeah. Again, the, th- the thread, what we know about God comes from scripture. Mm-hmm. And everything that we do and everything that we learn and read and listen to has to be defined by scripture and measured up to scripture. All right. So let's cross this bridge. Yeah. Into Walk the, the bridge to the caring church, Jesse. I have to be quick. I know. So we don't, like, spend forever on this. <laughs> Start going. Okay. I don't think I can ever stop. Thoughts on the Caring Church. Both what we share in together and what we share out together are the two complementary truths about the Caring Church. Mm. Boom! Anything else besides boom? (laughs) Yes. So, um... (laughs) It's it's a voluntary action. Mm. And I think the fact that it's voluntary shows the care. Mm. Even with Jesus, it was a voluntary action. Mm. And for the least of these and not the least. And the it's stepping into other people's Lives. What does he say? He has a very good quote here. Where is it? Where <laughs> you're stepping into other people's lives. Oh, no. Where is it, Elijah? You know what I'm talking about. Where is it? Anyways, it's coming into other people's lives, listening to what they have to say. Trying to understand their misunderstandings, where they're coming from. Mm. 
and and actually walking through that with them, not correcting them, not trying to change their situation, but with the whole goal being both of you drawing closer to God. Mm. Now, that's for the Christian and non-Christian alike, right? I can have a non-Christian friend, and I need to be doing all that stuff with them. Yeah. I'll have a Christian friend, and I need to be doing people or people, period. Right. And we need to be listening. We need to be learning from their perspective. Mm. And we need to not be so quick to judge and actually try to understand their misunderstandings and their confusion and giving time to live that out together. Mm. So it's that in and out. Mm. And so particularly talking about the caring aspect, it certainly applies <laughs> to outside of the church, um, but in these first three characteristics, they're addressing from the text, particularly the internal workings of the church. Right. Um, and he finds this in particularly 44 and 45, um, when he's talking about they're together, mm-hmm. they had all things in common, and then talking about the selling of the possessions and distributing to people in need. Uh, so the first thing I want to touch on, he's talking about fellowship. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Christian buzzword number one. Yeah. Right? Um, um, so what is fellowship and what isn't fellowship is the question because <laughs> um, common maybe mm-hmm. idea of fellowship, if we want to throw around that word loosely, is like I went out to dinner or... <laughs> had sick fellowship. <laughs> yeah, had some fellowship with some people. Um <laughs> But he's talking, when he puts this in fellowship, I like what you read earlier about the sharing in together and sharing out together. It's that togetherness and that there is a <coughs> lack of a reigning individualism, um, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's this togetherness into this unity and this fellowship is doing yeah. what the church does, but doing it together. It's our common Christian life. Yeah, exactly, our common Christian life. Which we share as believers. Which is what he's talking about, having everything in common, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for our uh, people who read this and maybe get perturbed that everything was in common and they're selling property <laughs> and seeming to build a little Christian commune, <laughs> uh, being the first practicer, uh, practitioners of communism in the world, um, which is a horrible reading of this passage, by the way, you touched on the fact that this is voluntary, that this is yeah. what the Christian is to do because this is what Christ has done for us. And mm-hmm. as our lives are radically transformed by the grace of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that he has given to mm-hmm. us, that we seek the good of the people around us and of our mm-hmm. fellow Christians around us, and that we have this common experience mm-hmm. together. Um, and that we love for each other, we care for each other, and we seek each other's needs and the good of the body before we seek our own needs, Yeah. right? He says something in here, because uh, he references chapter, or verse 46. It says they broke bread in their homes, mm. in their homes, but I thought they had all sold their homes together. <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently not. So, yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. It is funny, and it gets to the point of, it's this. It's a togetherness. Yeah, it it's is. not a doing for doing sake, or they didn't sell for selling sake. It's a conscious decision. Yeah, conscious decision. Which this is a quote we should, a uh, good quote to leave off with before we move on to the worshiping church. But Stott writes this principle of voluntary Christian sharing is surely a permanent one. Yeah, it didn't stop. 
And that's a challenge to us, and it should be a challenge. And we don't need to talk about that because that's something I think we should let ourselves and let you wrestle with personally. <coughs> what does that look like for you? But it doesn't, it doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, so worshiping church, verse 46, talks about day by day attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. Um, 47, praising God and having favor with huh. all people. There's another bridge. <laughs> okay. Worshiping church. Yeah. Go for it. There are a couple aspects yep. to this. Um, a formal aspect to worship and a informal aspect to worship. Which means that worshiping is an all-encompassing reality of our daily lives. Yeah. So formal, we could talk about you know the institution. So Christians gather together on Sunday for church, uh, for a service, for singing, hopefully for prayer and reading and celebrating communion or the Lord's Supper, etc. All these things. Um, it can be very easy for us to make that just worship, right? Yeah. But is that all? No. No. Uh, it talks about the informal part, which is the meeting together in each other's homes, which is um, where weekly they would devote mm-hmm. themselves to the apostles' teaching as well. Um, and they would enjoy this fellowship together and all these things. So, so what's that today? Ooh, great. So obviously that means Sunday worship. That's essential for the Christian, but... Um, think this ties back to that common experience we're we're having um, Mm -hmm. that worship is a daily thing both personally but communally Mm -hmm. Uh, i think of you know a church that does um does things with each other outside of a a sunday whether that be community bible studies um Mm -hmm. outreach events generally meeting together in each other's homes for prayer for reading of scripture it can mean a whole great many things but i think Part of it is the unified part of doing it together, mm-hmm. um, but also doing it personally, doing it privately yeah. as well. What do you think about that? What that could look like? I think very similar to what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, I don't really have any additional. I think you said it very well. Oh, thanks. Of, it is that. And we're all going to have different experiences. But I think an important thing is to say, like, being in that in the church is very important. And that's not so. I didn't start really understand that until I think we went into ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, how important that is and how that ties in with everything else. But also, like, meeting in each other's homes. Yeah, it's really intimate and really important, isn't Sometimes it? Sometimes we just don't do that. Yeah. And that's important because it's personal. It's entering into each other's life. When we step into somebody's home, we're entering into their reality. And I think that's very important in the sense of worship because worship is not just something we do on Sundays. Mm. I think that's where that big thing comes into. And even worship is an individual experience. Yeah. Worship is communally coming before the face of God and praising Him. Yeah. And then two other aspects quickly before we move on to the evangelizing church. Uh, is that this early church worship was characterized by two things, reverence and joy, which yeah. is funny because, like most things, we can 
uh, tend to draw barriers between things that don't actually exist, and reverence and joy might be one of them, that they're mm-hmm. mutually exclusive, and Scripture's pretty uh, plain that they're not mutually exclusive, um, that they actually can go <coughs> hand in hand with each other. Yeah. Well, because he makes some funny comments, so if you read this, I hope you get a giggle out of it when he talks about this, but I'm not going to share that part. I'm just going to say, you know, some churches, it can seem like a funeral. Mm. The joy is lacking, um, you know. But on the other hand, the reference of Scripture is not in worship in mm. other places. Well, the reference and the, of God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where it's emotional songs the whole time. I have, I have a problem with that, too. You know, yeah. and I think that's the two sides of the spectrum that we talked about in the introduction, mm. right? Yeah, and so bringing it together is joining them, yeah, and together, um, of being conscious that we're church isn't for us, yeah, it's to glorify the Lord, yeah. it's not to get something out of it, it's not that consumeristic, yeah situation though we do get something from it because the lord blesses us sure. in that yeah. because we're a family together yeah but it's that bowing down before him in wonder and humility that makes it proper worship yeah and there's an aspect in which you know as we know more about god and grow in knowing him mm-hmm. our joy will increase but then also so will our reverence and yeah. they will more than likely increase together when that happens. Well, it's rec- it's recovering the biblical balance in yeah. Christian worship today. Yeah. All right, last one. We'll wrap this up. The evangelizing church. Yes. So we're to be a learning church, a caring church, a worshiping church, and an evangelizing church. So mm-hmm. those first three primarily have to do with the inner life of the church. Now they obviously bleed into its outer life, mm-hmm. but this is the one that is explicitly... Mm-hmm. The outward life of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, anything about the evangelizing church that struck you when reading it? It's looking at Acts two forty seven. Yeah. Um, where it says, "And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." Who did? The Lord did. You did? No. Me did. Me <laughs> did. No. Who did? You know, uh, stop. <laughs> you know, we lose sight of that so quickly. Mm. And it's our sinful ways. But what jumped, that ties into what really struck me. So you're talking about that before you go into this, that this is the Lord who does this. It's the it's Lord and the Lord alone. Although he uses us, but it's still him. We're tools. And we, we mean that nicely. We can plant and water the seeds, but mm. he grows them, yeah? Yeah. Um, he does all the work. We're just helpful tools. Yeah. Um, but with this, this sense of, he talks about this, we sometimes, as Christians, we come into the world, the culture around us, and say, I'm going to change the world. Mm. That strikes me because we have no sense of the Lord works in it. Yeah. And it's very much, I'm changing the world. We cannot change the world. 
mm. individually. He, by human power, we can't change the world. Right. We can't go on missions trips or service acts and say, I'm going to change the world. And, and have this motivation that because I'm coming into this, I'm helping in this, it's going to change everything. That is just really silly for a lot, you know. And um, I say that because you're losing the other elements of the characteristics of the church, right? You're not really caring for these people because you're not trying to understand their perspective. You're coming in and saying your perspective is yeah. the only one. You're not worshiping the Lord because in the ways it's more about you than it yeah. is about him. And and the learning church is what context do you have to say this? Right, sure. It's clear that without the Lord, we have nothing. Yeah. We can do nothing. Right? Nothing of good. Right. Which which the quote change Nothing of changing his, yeah. the world is good. And so are we are we focused yeah. on that. So that that was my big what struck me a yeah. lot on that cuz I think we can keep caught on that. Yeah. In closing, I was struck by um the expectation that the Lord will add to our number daily or to his church daily. Um, oh, so, yeah. so so as we evangelize well, we go out eagerly expecting uh, that the Lord in his power, people are going to come and trust and know him. Mm-hmm. Again, that God will use us. But expecting that that will happen, and I think how often do we not expect that the Lord will work? Yeah. And then also um, that in expecting, we also anticipate, so we prepare. And Stott yeah. talks about, um, mentions, he knows of churches that haven't had a convert in 10 years. And if they were to have one, they wouldn't know what to do with it. And that's wrong. Yeah. Because it doesn't have either of those things, and we need both of those things, uh, especially mm-hmm. for expecting God to work. Expecting. Expecting and anticipating and being ready for it happening. Um, it's brilliant. So those are his four characteristics, a learning church, a caring church, a worshiping church, an evangelizing church, all taken from Acts 2, 42 through 47. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's great stuff. Yeah. Keep interacting with it. Um because it goes further than what John Stott is saying. Yeah. And thinking about it and what does what does that look like in your personal life, in the church that you're at, your local church ministry, in your family. Yeah. Um, keep having these conversations. Um, with anybody. With anybody and everybody. Yeah. You know, and... Um, get Friends, per- family, your pastor. Get yeah. perspectives from other people. We see these things differently, and it's important as the church together in fellowship and community that we're discussing these things. So, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for your patience as we learn how long and how to stay on track with these chats. <laughs> um, it's easy to get off track. Um, but we're, it's an honor to be able to talk about these things with other yeah. people. So subscribe, share, and tune in next time to Brooks with Books with Books with Brooks. Bye.